listening to the Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast. Today's message comes to us from Senior Pastor of Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church, Matthew Smith. If you're just joining us this Sabbath, welcome. We've been uh, journeying together through some of the rhythms that I believe God's naturally given us and put into place for your life. Uh, we've been using this verse right here as kind of our guide. It's in Matthew. Jesus says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Several Sabbaths ago, Pastor Luke talked to us about the beautiful rhythm of Sabbath that God's given us, this weekly retreat where God says, I'm clearing my schedule and I'm going to be with you, where we get to spend time with our Redeemer and our Creator. Last Sabbath, uh, let's see, two Sabbaths ago, we talked about the rhythm of prayer, this continual connection with Him, the constant rhythm of speaking and listening back and forth. Last Sabbath, Pastor Connor spoke about the rhythm of community building this community that God's naturally said, hey, you need people to draw closer to me. This Sabbath, our rhythm that we're looking at is the rhythm of generosity. And to be honest, that's not what's on the preaching calendar for today. In fact, uh, Pastor Luke and I, way back at the beginning of the year, we said, okay, so this last, this last one in the series, it'll be the rhythm of serving others. I could preach all day long about that. And yet, the, the way the Holy Spirit led me this week, it's generosity, which is kind of tied together. Although, I don't know how generosity fits me because I'm a miser when it comes to money, which is a really nice way of saying, I'm cheap. Anybody else out there cheap? I hate spending money. I just, I just want to store it up and make good purchases, and I, I wait for the best deal possible. So as we talk about generosity, maybe it's for me that this sermon was written, Maybe it's for you too, I don't know, but, but as we jump in, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning as we finish up this series on rhythm, I ask that you'll bless us, that you'll, uh, that you'll speak to us. Let us hear you clearly as we uh, think about generosity, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Two weeks ago, I was at Cahutta Springs for family camp, and it was rich to see the non-Christian and non-Adventist families come to family camp at a Christian place where I get to speak into their life. But this last week was different. I was still at Cahada Springs camp, and it was for summer's ministers, summer ministers meeting, which is this retreat twice a year the pastors go to, all the pastors in our conference. But the summer one is the family one where you can invite all the family and they come together, and you, uh, you have meetings in the morning, and then in the afternoon the conference wants you to spend time with your family. So you get to go do the zip line. You get to go do the, the wake park and the giant flying chair and the, uh, the wakeboard boats. And you can do the blob, but if you're over the age of like 11, I don't recommend it. You will be in traction for like a week after that thing. I mean, some of these kids, they're like a rocket flying off this blob into the water. Um, my, one of, in the morning, one of the speakers was Mr. Gunn, G-U-N-N. And his family has created this product, this system, to create vision statements for your family. It's rich. In fact, I'd love to bring them to our church and have our families go through that as well. And as Mr. Gunn was there and he spoke to us, he had each family or couple look at a giant sheet of core values. I mean, everything from 
friendliness and kindness and compassion, uh, goodness, all these different values on there. And you, the first thing you did was take a check mark, put a check mark beside 20 of the top 20 core values that you have. Jennifer did it, my wife. I did it. Then we, you go back through all those 20s and you circle the top 10. And then you go back through those top 10 and you underline the top 5. And then you compare your top 5 with your spouse's top 5. You've, you've probably seen this kind of vision, visioneering in businesses and different corporations. They're doing this for your family, which is great. So you take your top five and the wife's top five and you look at them and you say, how do they mesh? How, do they simil- how are they similar? And you find your family's top five. And in our top five was generosity. Not that we necessarily have that as a family, but something that we want to strive for is generosity. Which is crazy for me, Mr. Cheapskate Smith. Doesn't want to spend a dime on anything. And yet, to see that God has given us the rhythm of generosity changes the way I think about things. All through the Bible, God talks about generosity. You see it all the way. In the New Testament, you see it. Paul says, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. In other words, I'm giving to you so you can be generous to others. You got it in Psalms. That's the wrong way. Let's go there. <laughs> Psalm says, it is well with the man who deals generously. Proverbs says it. Solomon says it right here. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Again, Solomon says this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's an obvious core fundamental about living the best life that you can, living with the rhythm of generosity, helping us grow to be Christians that reflect Him. And while this concept of generosity is a really basic thought, Why do Christians struggle with it? I think that Christians struggle more with generosity than non-Christians. So often, I think the devil attacks us wherever he can, and he knows that in our hearts we're selfish, and so he makes Christians, ones that say, we love Jesus, even more selfish, where we scoop things up and we live with a closed fist where we don't want to share. As people get closer, we close it tighter. I was saddened this last week at Cahada Springs to hear uh, this little back-behind-the-stage information. See, Cahada Springs looks like this. If you've never been there, it's just gorgeous. This is the conference center, and then around the corner, you can't really see it, is the summer camp, and there's beautiful buildings and cabins and all the good stuff over there, too. Uh, But this retreat center is a place where people come from all over the place to go to. There's weddings there. There's people that have business uh, corporations will come in and they'll do things there. Speakers come here. There's retreats. It's this beautiful place. Uh, Every time I'm there, I feel closer to God because it's so beautiful. And as I was talking to this person that's on the board of this conference center, they told me this sad bit of news. They said, you know, when Christians come here, all sorts of people come to this camp, but when Christians come here, the housekeepers, that's the ones that make your bed, that clean the bathrooms, that wash the windows, they are sad when Christian groups come to Cotta Springs because the Christians won't leave tips. Now, just to be totally transparent and honest, I didn't know tipping housekeepers was a thing. I guess that's news for me. Somebody else says, well, I don't know that either. Well, apparently it is. And when I hear this, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because Christians, the ones that have experienced the most generous gift in the universe 
from a God that owns it all, that gave it all in the form of Jesus to us, the most generous gift ever. And yet we Christians are hoarders. I don't mean collecting stuff. I just mean we scoop it in, we pull it together, and we say, this is mine, 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 mine. We have a hard time sharing. Which is funny because we think this is a kid's lesson, right? It's the first lesson of life. Kids, share your toys. When I was about six years old, my family went to my grandparents' house for a, a family reunion up in Calhoun, Georgia. We're there at the grandparents' house, and one of the families brought a piñata. Oh, I love piñatas. This, this fun toy that holds the greatest, most delectable, scrumptious food on the planet, candy. And one of the parents hung it from a tree, and then all the grandkids took turns with this bat, and you'd hit the piñata. You've done piñatas before. And finally, when that sucker busted open, the candy went sprawling out across the concrete driveway, and the kids went diving for it. And my sister, who I have permission to tell this story, she was the smartest of all the kids, because she didn't go picking through and say, oh, Tootsie Roll, yep, Twizzlers, ooh, definitely, oh, not that one over there. Uh, she just went like this. <laughs> if you could have heard the screams and cries of all the other grandkids as they realized that first come, first serve, and snooze, your, snooze you lose rules, those just went into practice right there and then and there. Crying! And yet the tears from my sister as my parents said, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not part of the rules. You have to share. Her cries were even worse. Why is it that we live like this? Why do we do that? We've had the greatest gift in the universe, and yet we can't live our lives to represent it. Why is it that we approach most everything with a tight fist that squeezes in as people get closer to your stuff? And how can we find the divine rhythm of generosity that pushes us closer to the, the life that God has designed for us? If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 6. It's in the New Testament. If you're new to a Bible, or maybe you didn't have one, there's one in the pew in front of you. It's the red one, and it's on page 939. That'll help you find uh, where we're at. Luke chapter 6. Uh, Luke was a physician, he's a doctor, and so he writes very uh, particularly, very articulate words. And Luke, uh, in Luke chapter 6, it seems like he writes the Cliff Notes version of the Sermon on the Mount. It's not identical, but there's a lot of the similarities, and so some people think, oh, he's summarizing the Sermon on the Mount in Luke chapter 6. I don't know if he is or isn't, doesn't really matter, because he gives us some powerful words about being generous and what happens after you are generous. So this is kind of the reward. It's kind of cool. Luke chapter 6. If you've got it, give me an amen. amen. All right, let's go. Luke chapter 6. Here's what it says in my Bible. Um, it's a little kind of weird place to start. Jesus says, don't judge, and you'll not be judged. Don't condemn. He says, forgive. And then he says in verse 38, he says this. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, he says this. Give. If we just stopped there, wouldn't it be enough? Jesus says, give. That's not a closed fist. That's an open hand. That's not hoarding. That's giving. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Here it is again. It's on the screen if you want to follow along in the New International Version. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, 
pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Jesus paints a picture for us of a marketplace scene. It's a transaction that's happening. And Jesus is there in the market, and he comes up to some vendor, and he says, hey, I'd like a cup of flour. Some of you are bakers out there. You like to bake things. Maybe you make waffles on Sunday morning like I do. I'd like a cup of flour, sir. Uh, Jesus talks about pouring it in your lap. Sometimes they'd have this apron that they'd pull up, and you could put the stuff right into your apron and carry it around. That's, that doesn't sound very logical, but maybe this is what they did. And so he's like a cup of flour, and so the guy dips the flour, the, the cup, the one cup down into the big thing of flour, and he brings it up. And, and what do you do to make sure you have one cup? Don't you take your finger, your hand, and you scrape along the top, and then you have exactly one cup? But Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure. So that guy, the vendor, he, he dips in, and he brings it up, and it's mounted over top, and he doesn't clean it off. In fact, I'm going to illustrate it even differently. I was going to ask for a volunteer, but I already got my volunteer. Bill, are you available, man? You've got to meet my buddy Bill. I don't know if you know him. He's, this, he's, this, he's the definition of a stud muffin. No pressure, dude. <laughs> Come on up, man. This is Bill Goff. He's a hard-working dude. He's, he's always working here at the church. Anytime we have a work fee or something. God, you're up here, man. Thanks for volunteering. <laughs> yes, this is yours. All right, we're having a transaction here. You're a giver. You give generously. And when you give generously, Jesus says, this is what happens when you give. So you come up to me and you say, Pastor Matt, I want some of this white fluffy stuff that you bought at Hobby Lobby. I want some of this fluffy stuff from Hobby Lobby. From Hobby Lobby. That's important because when I bought this stuff, the lady at Hobby Lobby said, what are you doing with all this fluff? And I said, well, it's a sermon illustration. Would you like to hear it? And she said, yes, I would. And so I spent 10 minutes giving her my sermon. So, yes, it's important. Okay, so you're a giver. You've given. And God says, because you've given generously, here's what happens. He says, you get a measure. Here's your measure. Here it is. All right. That's a, that's a measure, right? That's good, right? Across the top, we're good. But Jesus says it's a good measure, right? So it's a little more. It's a good measure of, of fluff. If anyone's making pillows later, just come find me. You can have this. But then what does he say? He says it's a good measure pressed down. So Jesus says because you're so generous and because you give, here's how I give it back to you. Can we fit a little more in there? I think so. Jesus says, all right, let's, let's just uh, press it down, put a little more in there right? But then he says, it's a good measure, pressed down, and shaken together. Can you shake a little bit, maybe make a little more room? Yeah, that's good, it's good. I think we can get some more in there. You think we can get a little more in there? Right? Oh, you got a little on your beard there, but sorry, man. <laughs> right? And, and when you give generously, God gives back generously, right? Thanks, Bill. Well done, sir. You can take it if you want. <laughs> no, you don't have to, really, you're fine. Doesn't that make much sense, though? God says, you give generously, open-handed. You give it away. That's why you have it, to give it. And he says, when you give it, I'll give it back more. I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it together. It's going to be a good measure piled up, running over. Why? Because our God is a God of generosity. And it's a rhythm that he gives us to live our life in a way that represents him. I think it's funny that sometimes we're afraid to really give. And yet when we give, it represents Him. 
He's the greatest gift giver. He's the definition of generosity. Uh, you can give as much as you want, but the, the obvious thing is this. You can't outgive God. The Bible says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. You can't outgive him. Everything that you own is his in the first place. He's the father of gifts. The Bible says that we as humans like to give good gifts to our kids. How much more does our heavenly father like to give these good gifts? He's the definition of generosity. But it's, it's different between being generous one time and finding a rhythm of generosity. And for me, it has to be intentional to get from just once in a while to a continuous rhythm of generosity. And so i got three areas, I bet you can guess two of them, that uh, I think that would be good for you and me to start being intentional about being generous. Here's the first one. It's the natural one. With your money. It's the obvious one, right? And yet, if it's so obvious, why don't more people do it? Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church has 1,040-some members. It's a lot. I don't know how many of them are dead or live in other parts of the world. They're on the books. We usually have about 400 people in attendance, which is pretty cool, 40%. I don't know if that's good or not. And yet, in 2018, our church had 291 giving units, which I think is pretty good. Because a giving unit doesn't just mean a person, it could mean a couple. It could mean a family. So this is cool. 291 giving units gave towards tithe or church budget. Now, for a refresher course for some of you, and a new information for some of you as well, tithe money doesn't stay in the church. In fact, every bit of tithe would go right up to the conference office, the Georgia Kremlin Conference, and it pays for salaries for teachers and pastors and evangelists and Bible workers. It goes to all the different ministries in our conference. Some of that money comes back to our church in the form of evangelism funds, and we can use that to minister to people. But it all goes up there. 291 people gave to either tithe, 10%, or, or above and beyond. This is generosity to the next level. It says, God, you've asked for 10%. I gave you that. But because I want to have this rhythm of generosity, because I, I want to uh, reflect who you are, these, these people gave above and beyond to church budget. You know what church budget is? That money stays in our church. That's what helps us support Carmen Avenue School. That's what helps us have uh, a custodian. That's what helps us do outreach. That's what helps us do uh, ministries here in our local church like Pathfinders and Adventurers and have Sabbath schools and things. Um, and yet, why don't more of us give generously, more systematically? No, 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 rhythmically. Is, are, are, do you fall into this category? Or are we afraid that we're going to run out of money if we give generously? I think people have fear about this. In fact, when I do premarital counseling, there's a, a section where we talk about finances. You will soon know about this as well. Finances, and, and, and it's a budget sheet, and the couple say, okay, uh, how much income do we make here? And the next line down is tithe and giving. It's a part of it. Are we afraid to give to God because we're going to run out of money? Man, listen to what God says to us. And you hear this all the time with the offering appeals. God says, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I mean, that's the God of generosity. He says, you test me and I'll prove it. You show me your generous spirit and I'll show you my generosity and I own it all. 
What would your life look like if you gave systematically, sacrificially, and generously? Would it push your faith? Would you grow as a Christian to reflect more and more the Creator God that gives good gifts to all people? Do you think that if you gave more and more often that you'd find that rhythm of life that God gave to us? How about this one? You want to find rhythm? The rhythm of generosity? How about using this one? You probably could have guessed that one. But seriously though, I don't care how good of a scheduler you are, how, how great of a calendar person you are, I don't care how great your wife is at being your social coordinator, guys. Time is valuable. And there's never enough of it. You always run out of it. And if time is valuable, then that's something that you can either be stingy with or you can be generous with. You can either be close-fisted or open-handed with. So what would happen if you used your time a little more wisely? In Ephesians, here's what Paul says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, seizing your time and being intentional about using it in a way that glorifies God. That's generosity with your time. So what does generosity with your time look like? Work, 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 work. What if you spent more time volunteering somewhere? What if you slated some time out in your calendar just to be with your neighbors and help them? What if you took time and said, I'm going to leave this time, this block of time, it's going to be an hour in my schedule, and God, I'm just going to pray, and you show me what you want me to do with this time. I don't know what it looks like, but we can be generous with our time too. And if you really, 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 really want to understand the rhythm of generosity, be generous with grace. I mean, how many times have you shut down or cut off or turned away from someone instead of giving them grace? Who in your life remains unforgiven by you? The definition of grace is giving someone something that they don't deserve. So what would giving grace generously look like for you? Is it a phone call? <laughs> Maybe it's a face-to-face -face interaction with somebody where you say, I feel wronged by this, but I want to forgive you because that's what God did for me. Jesus says these words, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And my prayer for you and me is that as we strive to find the rhythm of generosity, may we find a total, whole life, divine, God-given rhythm in every aspect of your life. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, what a good God you are. What a generous God you are. We don't deserve it, and yet you give it to us. And God, as we strive to be generous, as we strive to find that rhythm, may we find the total life rhythm that you've given us, that you've ordained for us, that you've set out before us. God, we love you so much, and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name, amen. hope you were inspired by today's message, and we would love to hear from you. If you would like to contact one of our pastors, find out more about what we believe, or for information about our service times in Marietta, Georgia, please visit 
www.mariettaadventist.org. If you were inspired by today's message, please share it with your friends. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are available. Thank you.